Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And Thomas Stanfill is back for a third consecutive week, and now I feel spoiled. Honestly, this is too much. <laughs> I cannot uh, take Oh, Scott. <laughs> oh, Scott. I mean, what a run we're on. What mm. have we talked about? I mean, we have been from, you know, the beginning where we said the opportunity is real to can you win to this week where we want to talk about is it worth winning? Uh, and, and before we do that, Tom, because I want, I want you to take the, the listeners back to the future a little bit. But first, mm-hmm. I at least want to talk about my cold, frosty, and refreshing beverage. Do you have one? Scott, I do not. And I know, oh. I know you can't spell sales without ales, <laughs> but I don't have an ale. Oh, but on. I do have one in spirit. But okay. I, 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 I want my listeners to know I have integrity. You I are a ge- genuine it. individual. Yeah. So um, we, you know, we just moved office space, Scott, and I'm a little disorganized. Okay. All right. I um, mean, and I hope all of our listeners come by and see us. We got this cool kind of. We look like we're an ad agency now. We got exposed brick. Love it. Fourteen foot ceilings and hardwood floors, and apparently oh. the building is haunted. Okay. Not this building, but the one down at the end. I've been told that by Nicole. Have I mentioned that on our podcast before? No, I and I now I think you're scaring people. Okay, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't think it is haunted, by the way. I don't believe in that. But Okay, but, but there could but be I'm... paranormal activity that might <laughs> sort of intervene in the podcast. All right, I just want to be ready. Yeah, right, well, Nicole <laughs> said, she said, she said, uh, yeah, there's a ghost tour that goes through the building at the end of our, not this building, but the one next to it. And she said she's actually been on it. And I said, well, is it like Casper, you know, ghost? <laughs> the friendly ghost. No, please. friendly. And she, she ignored that question. So, so people don't know who Casper is. They should look that up. Oh, look that up. Google that. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some fun with Casper, the friendly mm-hmm. ghost. But, you know, I do have something that I'm interested in pursuing as a beverage today. Um, mm-hmm. I have had Pursuit. many blue moons in my life, but I have not ever had the Blue Moon Summer Honey Wheat. Wow. It's their little twist with a, it's got clover honey and orange peel. Mm. They even are telling me what I should pair this with grilled summer fare, like marinated chicken or pork. If you eat that, I like it with a nice little piece of fish. Um, I have an ABV of 5.2, a little bit higher than last week and an IBU rating of 15. So you people, okay, get so that try means this. it's not bitter at all. Not bitter at all. I, it may not hit your bitterness threshold, but for me, that's the sweet spot. I just love it. I'm love gonna have it. to try that. That 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 was described very attractively mm. to me, and I don't know if that's because you're a producer extraordinaire, announcer, podcast host, um, <laughs> talent coming through, but could just be the beer. Could be. Could be. Could be. Yeah, and it's not available everywhere, but find it where you can and try that. I, lo- I do love the Blue Moon suite of So it's not available wherever beer is sold. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Unlike your book, which is available everywhere books are sold. Through oh, any book yes. retailer. Thank you for that plug. I love that <laughs> plug. I mean, please, please go out and pre-order it. It's come holding it in my hands right now. I've got the advanced copy. I'm so excited. Maybe I want my autographed copy, Tom. Yeah. But you know what's interesting about this, Scott? It didn't change my wife's relationship with me or no. my children. They still love me just the same. So. I think you, you should use the word yet at the end of that. I mean, when okay. you become, when you're on Oprah, I think everybody is going yeah. to just, yeah. they're really going to find you to be irresistible. Yeah. 
if yeah, they don't already. Well, that, I'm, you know what? <laughs> I called her and she's not called me back. Oprah has not called you back. Well, no, get, she has not called me back. Get Sequera on it. He's been on her show. Come on. Yeah, John, one of our one of our um, founding fathers of Aslan, John mm-hmm. Sequera has been with us since I don't know the sixties. The he was actually on <laughs> since his birth. Yeah, <laughs> since my birth. Even though, <laughs> even though he's nearly forty, he right. um, he was actually on Oprah Winfrey show. So, and that actually made it in the book. So, oh, I love that. I love that. So, you, so I want John and you to autograph my copy, if that's possible. <laughs> and Oprah. Is that, is, okay, anyway, we're going too far. We're off, we're, we're off on a tangent. Tom, the last couple of weeks have been amazing in talking about, uh, you know, really, the, is the opportunity real? Can you win? But today we want to really get into worth winning. So help set this one up. What's important about that aspect? Yeah. So, so again, just to make sure that if you're the first time you kind of joined us in this, in this series, as I called it last week, an installment in these mm. installments, mm-hmm. we're talking about um, how do you determine if you're pursuing a qualified opportunity within an existing account or a brand new opportunity. Uh, and so we talked about, you know, first step is to determine is the opportunity real? They may mm-hmm. be talking to you about a need, but they're never going to really invest in the solution. Then it's about, okay, they are, once you pass through that criteria, which we talked about four main ones, then we say, okay, well, is their opportunity is real, but who are they going to choose as a solution provider? In other words, can you win? And we talked about the criteria there. And now we're at the one that's probably the most obvious, which is, is it worth winning? Which, you know, that was, we always want to know because we drive our commission or at least our percentage of quota is, you know, is the opportunity real? So, yeah. so I mean, is, is it worth winning? And so the, the obvious number, cri- number one criteria there is what's the total opportunity. Right. But I think the key is we can get, we can get um, sold, if you will, by the client. I hate using that word, but we can be sold by the client that this small, you know, current opportunity is going to be blow up into a big opportunity. Yeah. So we want to look at the total opportunity, current and future. And even if this, the current opportunity is small, the size is small, but if it's going to be big in the future, then it may be worth it. So I think that's the first one. What's the total opportunity? Well, and I think a lot of times you hear this and again, you know, buyers take negotiating classes just like sellers do. And I'm such not a fan of, negotiation training and tactics and all those things. But, you know, they may promise you, you know, give us your best price now because this thing could be, you know, the best thing since sliced bread for you as a sales rep. And you just get sort of, I like the, you know, the word sold is probably overused, but you do, you, you fall into this promise of future business. And, you know, if that changes your assessment of the opportunity up front, that could be dangerous, couldn't it? Right. Yeah. it really could because it, it is, it is. And I'm not saying that they're, they're not telling you uh, uh, or explaining the promise of future business. They're not saying that to manipulate you. Yeah. Uh, because they may really hope that that happens. So right. a lot of times if you're working with somebody for a small opportunity and you know, where they're saying, I have a budget to buy this from you and it's small and you're like, well, this isn't really worth my time or it's not what we do. But I believe that we're going to need this big, so, you know, we're going to need to spend a lot more money and do all these things in the future. And so you're like, okay, great. So this isn't, you know, this is, this is a 10 X opportunity, not just an X. Yeah. Um, 
but the problem is, is that you may not be talking to the person who can really make that decision. And we're saying, oh, well, since you're going to buy this one small thing from me, you could also buy this big thing for me. And that's not true at all. Yeah. 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 And I, and I've run into that at, at many of the companies I've worked for. Not that there are that many. Is there four mm-hmm. in my life? I think. Um, but I do, I do remember even uh, most recently this year, a company that, that um, asked us to just do a sales kickoff for them. Mm-hmm. And right. we're, obviously we're happy to do that. Uh, but, but the sort of promise was, you know, you, if you impress at the sales kickoff, this could lead to sales training for our entire sales force. And this was not a small company. It's a very big company. So all I'm saying, and I think all Tom is saying in this is be very aware of what that promise of future business represents and how real that is. Just be honest with each other and their ability to not only make that promise, but honor that commitment uh, before you factor that into any decision you're making about that account. I think that's what we're saying. Exactly. I th- and I think that the, the- because it might be so easy to sell the small opportunity mm-hmm. uh, and the small opportunity is real. Yes, we are going to have a sales kickoff. It's going to happen in January. It happens every year. So there's a compelling event. It's going to happen. Yeah. There is a budget. We want you to be there. Okay, great. Well, that's not really what we, I mean, we love to do sales kickoff, but it may not be the worth, may not be a really strategic opportunity for us. It may be, it may not be. Right. Um, but let's say it's not. But the promise is, yes, we're going to do lots of work with us in the future. Well, so now, well, here's the mistake that we make, is we don't go to determining is the opportunity real for the future business. We skip that. Yeah. Because we did it for the the small opportunity. Just because we did it with small opportunity doesn't mean it's real for the big opportunity. So that's where we have to say, oh, wait, time out. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that future opportunity. Well, how would that happen? And who's involved? And That's good. go back to, through the same process. Well, and you remember, even, even when I was at APC and you were, you were training, like a lot of the smaller business of, of smaller UPSs and some of those things, you know, those were easy things to get in. If you uh, were in that conversation, and that might be just perfect. That might be exactly the kind of business you want to sell. But if you are the data center sales guy that really wants to sell the big iron and the big data centers, and you're taking the small deal just because that's the first thing you can get. Just be cognizant of the fact that it, it may not be an apples to apples comparison. You, the guy that owns those small UPSs may not be able to commit to getting you in with the cooling devices and all that great big iron that would end up in the data center. And so you've just got to be very diligent about uh, understanding the total opportunity. I think that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> I'm thinking about when I did this Mm. as a buyer. Uh, So I love (laughs) hotels and I love to travel. Yeah. Right. So sometimes when we would put on these small training events, and I'm talking about a classroom of like 10 or 15 in a hotel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm talking small, like we're doing a little, you know, I'm going to Boston we're doing a little, this is early in Aslan days and I'm going to do a little, little training event. And so I would call these high end hotels and say, Hey, we may, we may do these huge conferences where we have hundreds of people coming and we'd like to consider having it at your hotel. Do you (laughs) think that you could kind of give me a tour of your hotel? And um, because I'm going to test your hotel out and have, you know, a a little training, you know, event to see what's going on. Right. And there was some truth to that. It wasn't wasn't that I was lying. (laughs) Right. But the chances are really small that I'm going to have it at the Four Seasons 
in Boston. Mm-hmm. And so they would roll out the red carpet. They would put me in a suite. They would give me a discount. And I was treated like royalty. And it didn't, and we, they never got the big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it just didn't happen. Yeah. So anyway, we got to be careful. Yeah. You be, and, and again, it, it might not even be malicious, like you said earlier. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, they have a circle of influence that they can control yeah. and they may be making promises. What was the line in Top Gun? Your, your body's writing. No, you're, <laughs> you're writing you're, checks you can't cash. Yeah. You're writing checks you can't cash. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Yeah. So. And it, it's all about probability. Yes. There's a probability that they may do the big thing. Yeah. The question is, what's the probability? Like if somebody would have said, and these are, this is a good clarifying question. So yeah. you want us to do, you think we could do the big thing later. What's the probability that you'll do the big thing later? Yeah. yeah. Like, like in your head. And if they would have asked me that question, what's the probability you're going to do a large event? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever done a large event before? What's the probability? <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, how many? Uh, 10%? Yeah, 5%. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. So, so assess the, the total opportunity, the current and future value of that, and be very specific with your questioning to make sure that those are real. Let's move mm-hmm. to number two. Talk to me about number two. Number two is, again, where our positive, which again, salespeople that are positive are more successful. Like mm-hmm. they, they see that they can be successful. They believe that they can be successful. They focus on what can, what can go right, not what can go wrong. But this yeah. is where it backfires. We need to be negative about, um, or, or at least critical when we assess what are the required resources after you win the deal. Yeah, because some deals aren't worth winning, even though that it's even though the total opportunity is where it needs to be, um, and but it's not worth winning because of the required resources because it may suck you in and require a lot from you. Um, it may require a lot from the organization. It may hurt you politically in the organization. If you have to, you know, can reconfigure your solution to make it work uh, and you can do it, but is it really worth it? So what are the required resources if you win? Um, because so not all, all opportunities are worth winning. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, actually back in, back in the day I was selling technology and, um, you know, I got in with this buyer who was, was pretty high maintenance during the, the selling process, during the mm-hmm. buying process. I, I, you know, I just didn't see the warning signs and I wound up winning the deal, which I was very happy to. It was a nice commission check. They, mm-hmm. the, the technology was perfect for what they were trying to do. But what I underestimated is exactly what you're talking about here. I mean, when we would sell that technology, typically after the sale, the, the service department would take over you know, running the account, they would, you know, because they needed to go in and and do uh, maintenance um, contracts and so on and so forth on the technology. Well, what I didn't realize is this individual was going to call me for every little issue, every little challenge, and even like some of the positive things that were going on within the account. And it just wound up taking a ton of my time. And while I was happy to do it, it really, you know, at the end of the day may not have been worth what you know, the, the, uh, the value to my company, when you start factoring in the opportunity cost of me having to spend so much post-sale time with the account. And so I think you just need to be honest with yourself. You know, if someone is really high maintenance or very difficult during the buying process, what do you think life is going to be like, you know, after the sale? So just to Tom's point, you know, be thinking about the resources of yourself, your team, your company assets, 
that are going to be required to make this go and just be very diligent about asking the tough questions of how, you know, is that a deal that's really worth winning? Mm, that is uh, that, well said. I really want to underscore something you said. I thought that was really good insight is that what it's like, how they partner with you in the buying process is yeah. how they're going to partner with you as a customer. If they are beating you up for all this information and they're super detailed and they can't make a decision or they require you to do a lot of work when you know that work really isn't needed uh, and they're just suck all your resources. Um, that's what it's going to be like after you sold, sell them. Yeah. Um, so that's where, you know, again, you need to stop and say, okay, what's this require of me? Yeah. And again, it may be, it may be a lot, but it may be worth it. So this is why each one of these elements all combined will tell you, well, yeah, but the opportunity is the biggest you've ever seen. The opportunity is real. We have a real good chance of winning it and it's going to require a lot of resources, but it might be worth it. But if the opportunity, if the size of the deal is smaller, you've got less chance of winning and it requires a lot of work and you got to fly and you got to spend a lot of money and time. Like, eh, again, because you've got to keep reminding us of what we're talking about. Every time you're working on a deal, you're losing a deal. Yeah. And there's only a limited amount of time you have. And so you have to decide where you spend that. Um, so, and as the, the Rick Page said in his book, hope is not a strategy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it might be interesting for you all listening and even you sales leaders that are listening, go back and look at a couple of your, you know, accounts that you have that you, you, you've had some difficulty with and see if there were warning signs during the sell cycle mm, that you point. could have spotted. Uh, because we, we can, uh, what's the old phrase? If you... Uh, don't know history, you're condemned to repeat it. You know, if you, let's learn from those high maintenance accounts that we have today, check your install base and see there may be examples where you might've seen some warning signs and just ignored them. Uh, we're not saying walk away from business by any stretch. We're saying go in with open eyes and, uh, and, and be very diligent about the questions you ask in this process, right? All right, so required resources. Let's talk a little bit about the third and final step in the process or question you need to be asking as uh, you decide whether a, an account is worth winning. What's the third and final piece? Third and final is, and this is going to probably strike our sellers, not our leaders, but our sellers who are listening as, well, what do I care about this? The mm. third is how profitable is it? Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're compensated on how profitability of, a, of an opportunity you win, yeah. um, then that makes perfect sense. <laughs> but if you're not, you still need to look at the profitability of the opportunity uh, when you look at, um, is it worth winning? Because your organization is not going to be really excited about you continually landing unprofitable deals um, because they don't want to, they don't want to support that. So, you know, <laughs> you need your team behind you. Yeah. And they need to know when you bring them something and you ask for help or support to win it or support on the back end, um, because how you work with your internal team, a lot of times will determine your success. So look at the profitability of it. And so again, it's just one more element to determine, is it worth winning? Cause to the company, that's all they care about unless you're just trying to do a market grab and it's all about um, obviously uh, account, what do you call it? A account penetration penet number of yeah, accounts. Yeah, market yeah. penetration or market share. If all you care about is market share because you're maybe trying to go public or that's all that matters to you right now, then profitability doesn't matter. Then obviously that doesn't, that doesn't count. But if yeah. it is about your typical business, anybody cares about it is profit. Yeah. So how does it drive profit? 
So think about to position yourself well in the organization. Think about what they think about, which is profit. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think when you are an other centered person and we know motive is transparent, um, if there's a, if they're working you down to a price that becomes unprofitable or mm -hmm. let's just go back up to required resources, the resources required to make this account go are so extensive that we're not going to be profitable. You just need to be honest about that with yourself mm. and your management team first, but with the client second and just say, you know, there's, there's no reason to get into a win lose business partnership. Uh, right? right. I mean, if we're losing, ultimately you're going to lose. We need to both win in this deal. And that's what business, that's what makes business go. And I think we're just asking you to, to be diligent about, you know, and I think I've said that word like 10 times today. So I'm going to stop saying diligent, diligent, diligent. I'm going to stop saying that. Yeah. Um, but you need to make sure you really, you know, think through this and evaluate this at, at every stage of the, uh, of the process. Well said. Agreed. Uh, all right. Um, so, Tom, we've been, I mean, this has been an amazing several episodes, three installments of installments. Ales with Aslan, Sales with Aslan, where we put the ales in sales. Um, <laughs> but is there any kind of tool or any sort of, I don't know, scoring system, something that kind of helps our, our, you know, followers out there maybe think through, you know, how to mm -hmm. you know, put this in some sort of stack ranking, some way to, to, yeah. to measure the value of a deal. Yeah, and if if you really if you really want to make this happen, you've got to create a a template, a tool where you got to fill in boxes. Mm -hmm. And so, what I would recommend is start with the criteria that we've given you. Go you go through these three podcasts we've talked about: is the opportunity real? And there was four criteria to determine if the opportunity is real. Yeah, and, you know, can you win? I think we talked about three. And is mm -hmm. it worth winning? And I think we talked about three. There's more. So the first thing I would do is say, look at those three criteria, those three categories, uh, and then look at deals that you've won or lost. Why did you win or lose them? And then you come up with your criteria under each one of those categories. Yeah. And then when you do, then I would do, the first thing I would do is I'd say, okay, so let's just take, is the opportunity real? Mm -hmm. You've got four categories under there, you know, compelling event was one of them. And then I would say for those under each one of those categories, I would say each, I would put an order of, um, I would rank them based on priority. Now use a one to three scale. This is how we do it. So compelling event, for example, we think that's super important. So we're going to give it a three. Uh, budget, we'll say that's less important. So we're going to give it a one. So you, you weight each one of the categories based on importance. Then when you score compelling event, for example, you say, well, the compelling event is we're unsure. So we're going to give it a two. Mm -hmm. No, we'd give it a one. Definitely or strong, we'd give it a three. Mm -hmm. So let's say compelling event, we waited a three and we think, and as we now we look at this opportunity, we see compelling event is high, we give it a three. So three times three is six. So compelling event gets a six. Budget, let's say is a one. And we say there is no budget, so it gets a one. So that now it, that score gets a one, right? Or let's say it was a budget and that, and then the score would get a three. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see that's the, that's the process I would go through to come up with your criteria, weight those criteria, and then score them when you're looking at a real opportunity. And then that score, if done consistently, will tell the story every yeah. time. So you, you might find anything under a 50 is not worth pursuing. Yeah. You know, they've just made that number up. Yeah. Um, 
there's other things that we've done in our own scoring system that kills the deal immediately. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter the score that we say, for example, for us, if we don't have access to the decision maker, it's unqualified. Right. So the score just goes to zero. It goes to zero. Like it has to, you have to score that there has to be an access or the whole thing negates. So you may have a, you may have deal, you know, deal killers in there. Um, I forgot exactly what we called that, but you, you get the you get the idea. Like, yeah, it's like no go, no go. Like, if you don't have the decision maker, you can't score it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not. And and by the way, from a from a sales leadership perspective, this is a great tool mm-hmm. to know and and more effectively manage your forecast. Because if you haven't met with the decision maker and that zeroes that out, that should not appear in a pipeline, right? It's not qualified yet. Um, so I love that. Uh, by the way, I want to go back to your math, um, Tom, because you said three times three was six. And I just want people from a credibility <laughs> perspective to understand that we know Tom is not a math major. And that that- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you caught that. Yeah, I added not, so, I not you added. My, yeah. Three but- times three. <laughs> hey, but I did get the budget one, right? When I said three times one is three, I was right. I was correct. You there. rebounded perfectly well, but yeah. no, I, I love the idea. We used to call this like a figure of merit index uh, when mm-hmm. back at APC, and we would we would make a lot of decisions this way. In fact, Tom, you don't know this. Maybe yeah. you don't know this. No, but I thought you I were know this. you were on a figure of merit index um, mm-hmm. against I've all of your it. competitors. Have you seen it? Okay, I have seen yeah. it. Mark actually showed it to me the other day. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah, he, that's Mark. Now, Mark. Our, our illustrious president. Mm. Is that it? Can we refer to him as illustrious? I don't even I, know what that means. I, I don't I'm know really that it's contextually accurate, but I do like the word <laughs> illustrious. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he has an engineering background, so he, he would have never sense. made that mistake. But he, he did share uh, the, the resource that they created as a, as a buyer of how they were, they were assessing decision maker. I mean, solutions. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, he had his list of decision drivers. This, we talked about this under, uh, can you win? He had his list of decision drivers and he ranked them by figure of merit and then scored. And then that became the, uh, the score each solution provider got. And the bottom line is it's what we want. We want that. Yes. And, and, and by the way, at the end of that figure, because that was a fairly involved decision processing criteria there were probably eight or ten things on there yeah one that wasn't on there in the beginning was you know we like the sales rep which we did add and weighted heavily um and the reason how did i win there's no way i could have won the reason that aslan (laughs) won was swayed by the fact that we actually did like you back then Are you gonna Are you gonna tell the story, Scott, of how you decided that I was a good uh, fit for the APC team? <laughs> Do you think our audience is ready for that? I don't know. <laughs> I think they are. I think they. I think they. I think you need. We could clean it up a little bit, but I think yeah. you should tell the story. So I yeah I do remember the the, the management meeting where um, we had several of us probably six or seven of us around a table, and you dialed in to our you know our management meeting. And I, I remember the sort of the phone picking up and you said, this is Tom. And um, I think the first question might've been, how are you doing? And the second question was, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. And I was on vacation. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was, I was wearing a bathing suit. But yes. I think I, I pulled a line from stripes now. Yes. Uh, that, that's going to date me a little bit. Yes. Um, but I think I said I was wearing a mesh number or something yes. along those lines. And um 
and you you I passed the test apparently because I didn't I didn't I didn't um that didn't shake me. The question didn't shake me. Which no. is really interesting, you know, but I think that you know that highlights let's turn this into a little lesson, a little unplanned lesson. That highlights the importance that there's formal and informal decision drivers. Absolutely. And the formal decision drivers are the ones that everybody uncover everybody knows and they reveal to all the players. But the informal ones are the ones that really matter and they don't necessarily tell you. You almost have to watch what, what questions or listen to what questions they ask and how they behave and certain things that you can pick up to find out. And that was one of the informal ones. You're like, well, what is this person that we're going to potentially hire? Are they going to fit with our team? Yeah. You know, and, and so obviously, unfortunate uh, uh, for me, it, it worked out. Well, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm not an advocate of unprofessional questioning, um, mm, and that could have been point. on the border. But the funny thing was our culture was such that, you know, that kind of stuff was funny to us. And, and we mm. did want to see if you were a cultural fit. And, uh, and, you know, your reaction, unplanned, untimed, just, you know, to, to come back with something very, very funny, just said to us, this is the guy that can, that can help change our organization, and we want to bring him on board. So I... I, I love still, that. That was, that was, uh, 2000, was that 2002? Yeah, two, I, I think so. Two, two or three when, when we started with you. So yeah, right around then. Yeah. And we are still working with that company today. Absolutely. And so that's, uh, but you know, and that's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great, I, that's a great point because that was such a fit for us and still is, mm. we are still working with Schneider back yeah, then yeah. it was APC government. We're still working with them almost 20 years later. Insane. And yeah. so that's the, that, that just kind of wraps up this whole series of podcasts by saying, if you pick well yeah. and you then serve them well, the benefits and the payoff is huge. Well, right? so, imagine, you know, 20 years ago when you were selling to little old APC, which was not little, but, but a nice account. Yeah, you had, you had no idea Schneider Electric was going to buy them, but you impressed the right people. You got in at the ground level, and now you know uh, APC has has helped you spread into all kinds of parts of of Schneider Electric. And yeah, you know, you, so sometimes you can't forecast the entire total opportunity, mm -hmm. but um, when you when you do the right things and you do your due diligence up front. Oops, I said diligence again. Um, you can, you can, you can really, uh, you know, luck favors the prepared. You can be, uh, you can be in for a nice long ride. And I think Schneider's been that for for Aslan for many many years. Great, great point. I'm so so uh, yeah, so grateful for that opportunity to work with them and still work with them. Great, people. absolutely. Well, very good, Tom. Anything else as we close our three installment series on? Uh, you know, opportunity, you know, is it real? Can you win and mm -hmm. worth winning? Anything uh, to impart on our folks before we turn them loose? I'd leave them with this thought. Yeah. And this comes from the movie, The King's Speech, mm -hmm. where the speech um, pathologist, I guess, yeah. coach, meeting with the would-be king, he challenged the king on how, on, on how he should make a decision and what, what is needed to heal him from his speech impediment. And so that was a great example of a really a person who's selling something who wasn't afraid of the king. Mm -hmm. Even though the king right outranked him in every area of life, when it comes to coming up with and determining the right solution, you need to lead and you need to drive the decision-making process. You need to ask 
tough questions and don't be afraid of the king because that's what really ultimately keeps us a lot of times from being um, asking these questions and having this mindset is because we're afraid of the customer. Yeah. We're afraid of losing. We're afraid they're going to, you know, upset them by asking the tough questions and we're afraid of looking self-centered, but don't be afraid of the king. You can't serve them well if you don't have the truth. Excellent point. He's Tom Stanfill, global sales overlord, and uh, we have enjoyed three straight weeks. I cannot believe how quickly time passes, but uh, enjoy the podcast. Get out and share it with your friends. Download and subscribe. We want to get to this to as many people as we can. Remember, you cannot ever sell. I, I'm saying that completely wrong. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't ever sell. Let's you can't ever you sell. You, can't, ever you sell. can't have sales without ales is what I'm yeah. trying to say. But perhaps the blue moon has gone to my head. <laughs> you can't ever always, no, never. You can't, no, nay, never, no, nay, never, no more to just bring out my Irish heritage. Um, but Tom, it's been a slice. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see everybody one more week from now on another episode of Sales with Aslan. Mm-hmm.